What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Fix Six Podcast. It is so freaking late. I am Will Brinson. I am your host. It is currently 2.17 Eastern Time. This is how we're going to roll this year. We're going to record a podcast to break down the, the however late the games go. Monday Night Football ends at 2 o'clock in the morning. We're going to talk about it for you. Um, you know, whatever. It's fine. It's exciting. John Gruden got stomped by the Rams. Matt Patricia got stomped by the Jets. We're going to break both of those games down in just a second with Sean Wagner. And then we will talk uh, teams up, teams down, teams trending all around with Brady Quinn. We will also go off on a, the most bizarre tangent you will ever hear in your entire life. I don't even feel comfortable telling you what it is because Sean is listening and I want him to find out what it is uh, in a surprise when he actually listens to the podcast tomorrow. Do you listen to yourself when you're on the podcast, Sean? Um, not usually. Uh, the first time I think I did just to hear how I did. Um, I listened to the beginning of yesterday's pod where I ranted about the Bears because I just that was all just like an angry emotional blur and I just wanted to make sure I came across as normal and, um, you know. Um, but no, I, I, I get weirded out listening to myself. I did it the first couple of times and now I don't do it anymore. I, I try to listen to it as much as possible, but I like once the season starts, it's hard to get to it every day. But if you listen to this show every day and you should, it's CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast, Monday through Friday in your, in your podcast app by 6 a.m. You should check it out. You should subscribe and you can do so on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever. If, if somebody go leave a review too, I, I, I'm trying not to beg for reviews, but some clown, some surface level clown complained on iTunes and it's better with Prisco, Costos and, and, uh, Lock and Fora. You know, that's not true. On uh, Wednesday's show, we will have Jason Lock and Fora coming up later this week as well. Uh, Kyle Brandt of NFL Network and Good Morning Football will be jumping on the show. I've known Kyle for a long time. Good dude. Uh, can't wait to talk to him. And, um, of course, we'll do picks later in the week. I, I don't know what I'm talking about at this point, Sean. I'm, I'm delirious doing staying up all night on Sunday. Look, again, I'm not complaining here. Talking about football at 2 in the morning is a good gig, but I have a 4-year-old. It's going to be a problem. So let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Let's get the show on the road. Let's talk about these games. And first, let's go to Oakland, where I imagine most people listening to this podcast might not have stayed up for the game. It was 33-13 is the final. The Raiders got curb stomped by the Rams in the box score, but it was a lot closer than that final score will indicate. The game was tied. Um, the final play of the third quarter, the Rams took their first lead of the game, and that's kind of when everyone knew this the blowout was going to come. But it was it was a much closer game than the scoreline suggests. Yeah, I don't feel stupid about picking the Raiders to win or picking <laughs> the Raiders. To, I they could have won that game. They made a lot of dumb mistakes. Derek Carr crapped the bed. Yes. Like, if we're, Derek we're, Carr doesn't turn into the Derek Carr we've seen at times where any hint of pressure he's throwing it away or literally gift-wrapping interceptions for the Rams. Like, this is a touchdown game, and maybe then by extension a three- or four-point game, um, and the, the Raiders cover. Like, this felt like – it was weird because I was writing the game, and it's late, and I was talking to you on Slack about, come on, can the Rams pull away so I can start writing my recap? And, like – I didn't feel comfortable writing my recap until halfway through the fourth quarter. And, yeah. like, I, that's a testament to the Raiders, I thought. Like, I think John Gruden did pretty well. Like, it's not his fault Derek Carr completely collapsed at the end. Like, the play calling was not the problem. I thought Gruden actually did very well in his debut, and I was impressed. I, I, I don't want to – I'm not doing this as a way of trolling you, I promise. But I, I think that there is – 
there are some uh, similarities you could make to the Bears and Packers game in that I thought that the Raiders, the Raiders came, the reason I thought the Raiders would win this game is that I thought they would come out fired up, play above their talent level on defense, stop the Rams enough to, to score some points, have a lead late and pull something crazy off. They did that. They didn't execute well enough on offense to have that lead. And then the defense just wore down. I mean, what happened was Sean McVay started going to play action heavy uh, after they, they got the run game working with Todd Gurley. And then he started using the screen game, and the Raiders just weren't prepared for it. And the Raiders aren't going to be good on defense this year. The Raiders aren't going to be good in general this year. I mean, I, I I was confident about that coming into the year. I'm even more confident about it now uh, based on what we saw from Oakland on, on, on Monday night because they don't have the bodies on defense they're just lacking in terms of defensive talent they did a great job being enthusiastic I thought Paul Gunther called a nice game for the most part but eventually he just got out muscled by a team that is literally better at every position there is yeah, not and, a- I, no, go ahead. and I think to your point like the Raiders don't have a good defense and why they look so good in that first half it was 13 to 10 Raiders at halftime is the Rams had the ball I think for like 21 21- Mm-hmm. Sorry, the Raiders had the ball for something like 21 or 23 minutes. If you look at the time of possession at the end of the game, the Raiders had the ball for 28 and a half minutes. And so like. Wait, the Raiders I, had the ball for seven minutes in the second half? Five to seven minutes. I mean, and it was, I mean, it was literally just the, the reverse. Like, and that's what the Rams were like in the first half. Todd Gurley touched the ball five times in the first half and he finished with somewhere around 23 touches for well over a hundred yards. Yep. So I think for me, this was more about the Raiders offense and the Raiders defense because what you saw in the first half, even though the Raiders kept on getting penalty after penalty after penalty, 10 penalties, by the way, in the first half, they were sustaining drives and were just keeping the Rams offense off the field, which is what you need to do. And then the second half, they couldn't buy a third down conversion. You have Derek Carr throwing the ball away when there isn't a hint of pressure on third down um, in a tie game. And I think that was the problem there. I think they couldn't sustain drives. And to your point, kind of like the Bears, they come out, they have a well-scripted first series that ends in a touchdown. You're like, mm-hmm. holy crap, John Gruden's back. Beast mode is back, carrying people into the end zone. And then Wade Phillips makes adjustments. He puts a keep to leave on Jared Cook, who looked like Rob Gronkowski in this game. Jared Cook had um, nine catches for 180 yards in this game. He's going to be your week one waiver wire massive pickup, um, especially with uh, – Delaney Walker going out for the year and Zach Ertz and Travis Kelsey and Trey Burton all struggling. I would expect that you see a lot of people pick up Jared Cook. Uh, do you think that, do you think that, do you buy the idea? Cause see, here, here's the issue to me. I think that John Gruden had a good plan coming in to say, we're going to feed Jared Cook. We're going to feed Jalen Richard because we don't want to deal with Marcus Peters and a keep to lead. Attack, attack the linebackers. They yeah. don't have good linebackers. Yeah. And they did that really well. Look, I mean, like the two guys that led this team in targets were Jared Cook and Jalen Richard with 23 targets each, 18 catches, 235 yards to get 180 of those to Jared Cook. Jared Cook did, a, and look, credit Jared Cook for being tough as nails out there. Same with Marshawn Lynch. A lot of, a lot of drives where, or a lot of plays where the Raiders could have, like, bogged down. They got, they extended those drives, uh, with big physical third down plays. Yeah. And I think, like, the flip side of this is, like, maybe, like, we piped up the Rams so much, but, like, I think they do have a legitimate weakness in their linebackers. Yeah, for sure. And I think Oakland exploited that until um, Wade Phillips realizes you got to stick to leave. 
on Cook the way that they used to stick to leave on Gronk. And like, obviously Cook isn't Gronk, but I think that's what changed there in the second half. Yep. Um, but I think this is like a legitimate area of like concern for the Rams potentially. Like I think the Rams are going to be a good team, but that defense isn't flawless. They don't have a good edge rusher. I mean, the report came out before the game, Adam, according to Adam Schefter, that they offered a first round pick and a third round pick for Khalil Mack. And because it's because they don't have a good edge rusher. They have a great interior of the line. Um, but that entire linebacker group is not good. And I think good teams can exploit that. But the good news is you have Wade Phillips and like he is a very good schemer and he can probably take things away and make adjustments. I'm not like overly concerned, but I think that is something that we have to remember about the Rams. Yeah, we didn't see a whole lot. We didn't Booger McFarland. By the way, Booger McFarland is really good on that ESPN telecast. And I like uh Joe Tessitore. I really like Joe Tessitore as well. I always have always thought he's been good on college football games. Jason Witten is I, I'm not not to you know, be patient with him. He's never yeah. done this before. Yeah. And like, like yeah. these other he's two guys, it out. Yeah, these other two guys have worked on ESPN for a while and witnessed, I think he's, was been better. In, I think he was better in that regular season game than he was in the preseason. Absolutely. I, I love how, what a good job they're doing keeping Booger. And I also love being able to call another grown man Booger. Um, <laughs> I love the fact that they can keep Booger down on the field and still you feel like he's part of the conversation it's working and at one point he said look guys i can see this raider sideline and people are dejected and this is in the fourth quarter and you could feel the energy or the lack of energy really coming through the television um a couple uh more points that i wanted to make about this game before we move on uh to to the to the jets and lions game um brandon cooks is the clear-cut number one target in uh, in L.A. I think that should be obvious. He only, that's air quote, only <laughs> had 87 receiving yards, but what do you have, like another 75 87, yards? 87, exactly. He had 87. Oh, really? So he should have had like 174 yards total if you oh, caught those balls. Thanks. Um, I doubted you when you were doing that. I did, me too, if it makes you feel any better. Um, Cooper Cup was utilized in the red zone. Nine targets, five catches for 52 yards. I would not panic if you are a Robert Woods owner. And I would actually say that Robert Woods is a very good buy low candidate coming out of this game because he was targeted nine times, which is the most along with Cup. And he was targeted deep. And Jared Goff just kind of missed on some deep balls. You pointed out um, that, that Goff was not, to me anyway, in Slack, that Goff was not fantastic on the deep balls. And really, Goff was not fantastic in general like should have had two red zone picks yep. that the Raiders just botched well that's the other thing too like the Raiders had like the Raiders had their chances to win this game they if, could have won this game very conceivably yeah I mean like if you intercept golf in the red zone there and you put the and then you can go down and score again and all of a sudden you've got it up to where it's well, 19 let, or 20 to 10 I mean let's not forget that they were up seven um I believe and they, in the first half, and they were driving, and Carr threw a really bad interception down the sideline trying to go deep to Cook yeah, um, that right. he just underthrew. And, like, I feel like there, if you score on that drive, you can – it's kind of like the, the Bears on, on Sunday night missing out on that opportunity the second time in the red zone scoring a touchdown. Like, if you can actually put them in the hole, um, I think that would have made a difference. And, like, that's why, to me, this loss is entirely on, on Carr. And, like, it's hard to blame – you can blame John Gruden, the football czar, the guy in charge of personnel for trading away Cleo Mack and like getting a roster, making a roster even older than it was. 
But I don't think you can blame John Gruden, the football coach, because I think he actually had a good game plan tonight. And I think it worked. And I think if his players execute, most notably Derek Carr, I think it's a very different game. I think they either lose very close or they win. Um, so Derek Carr finished 29 of 40. And that, quick math, that's 72.5% of his passes, right? Um, however, that's only 7, 7.5, 7.6 yards per attempt, which is not terrible. Zero touchdowns, three interceptions, which is terrible. And I feel like those numbers pump are pumped up a little bit, maybe by, uh, Cook getting some yards after the catch. And, um, and, and, and he just, it just felt like he was dumping off and checking down and not throwing deep. And, and the other thing, I think Sean with, with Derek Carr, he kept looked like he was feeling pressure, and then he. Th- I think Steve Palazzo pointed out that he was throwing away. He was throwing the ball away from clean pockets, and then in what might be one of the five worst NFL throws I've ever seen. <laughs> and I, I mean, if, get, no, if if Jay Cutler or someone had were uh, I think it, another quarterback, we all like Nathan Peterman had made that pass. Like you would have not Blake been, Blake, not at Blake Bortles. Blake, yeah, if Blake Bortles heard the end of that. Yeah, if Blake Bortles makes that throw on Sunday Night Football, it is a it is an absolute like dog pile on Twitter. It's just like look, like like we're memeing. Like I don't know, I don't know what you would meme it with, but the but the memeing, as Stephen A. Smith once said. Um, but the, but the point being is that those those two throws and that other interception you pointed out were so, were some really really poor decision making by Derek Carr. And in fact, the the interception on the the one that I'm talking about. He stops in like a clean pocket, and I swear to God, I thought he was throwing the ball away. It looks like he's trying to chuck it into the first row of the stands, and instead it floats he's like, 50 he yards. Like, he like shorts it by like 12 or 15 I mean, yards. I mean, like, to be well, honest, like, usually I feel like those picks really aren't like the worst ones, because probably he thought his receiver was doing something else, and then he tried to stop it, and it fluttered. Uh, um, all right, all right. I'll, I'll give you that. My whole thing with Derek Carr is that... He's not good. I think... Well, I think... <laughs> The thing that happened is that, I mean, he's, look, I wrote about it in not, 2016. He's not before good. his MVP season in 2017, and I wrote he was really bad at the end of the 2016 season, and the reason why is because they got some injuries on the offensive line, and there started to be some pressure, and he is really bad when he starts to feel the slightest hint of pressure. And what he does is he doesn't step into his throws anymore, and he starts drifting backwards. And I think then 2017 happens, and he's like a legitimate MVP guy until he gets hurt. And I think the reason he was the MVP guy is because he just had a great touchdown-to-interception ratio, which, as we've seen over the years with a lot of other quarterbacks, unless you're Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, it's going to just revert back kind of towards, like, an average. If you're an average quarterback, you're not going to get all those touchdowns. Defenders are going to catch your interceptions more often. And I think that's kind of what we've seen over the last two years. And here's the sad thing, I think, for Raiders fans. And this isn't John Gruden's fault at all. It's that maybe the Raiders couldn't afford Kula Mac. Like, like, let's just say that was an actual thing. They just couldn't pay two guys $25 million a year or close to $20 million a year. The Raiders gave the wrong guy the contract. Well, like, hold on. I have a question for you. I don't. Did you see my string of tweets that I fired out while I was waiting for you to finish takeaways? Probably not. About the quarterback and Gruden trying to find a quarterback with that pick? Well, so like the, Derek Carr's cap hit is $22.5 million in 2019. If they cut him, they save fifteen million dollars. He's only seven point five million dollars in dead cap money. They would, next year, next year, that's just a cuttable contract. It's I mean like it's listed on uh, over the cap or uh, spot track or whatever I was looking at as it's like potential out twenty nineteen. He would save if they cut Derek Carr this next offseason. Oh, and by the way, they could also do post June June one. 
and they he would be they would save they would save twenty million dollars in cap space. What's what's the cap space you know the next year? Because uh, I could see them like drafting a guy and giving a car giving car another year, and then when you go to Vegas, reset with that guy you've already drafted. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. It too. probably goes down after the next year. Yeah, for sure. It's um, I don't know if I actually have it right in front of me, but I think it is. Uh, it it's down. It's like the point being, he's cuttable. It's not like this Joe Flacco sized contract where they're stuck with him for four years. They, they can say, get rid of him if they want to. They would save sixteen point five million dollars on on the following year. Um, and they could save 19 million. Yeah. In 20, uh, in 2020 when they go to Vegas, right? Yeah. They could, he, he would well, only, he would only have a, um, $5 million dead cap space. Look, if I had to bet, I would say he is not the Las Vegas Raiders quarterback. Like uh, I, I, I would, I, Gruden didn't, it's not like Gruden dropped, you know what I mean? Gruden didn't draft him. Gruden, like in, in a way is blameless about this. He didn't give that contract to Derek Carr. Well, like, then, that's right, not so, on him. Of course not. Right, right, right. He, he can say like, well, uh, you know, uh, Khalil, uh, that, Reggie yeah. McKenzie gave him that money, uh, fire Reggie. Is it possible that John Gruden is tanking for Vegas? That it kind of makes me sad because I mean, like at his press conference, he was talking about how like how much he knows this means to the city of Oakland and how much he loves the city of Oakland. And like, I live in Oakland, obviously. I'm not a Raiders fan, but I'm not from Oakland. But like, I like the city and like I know how much these fans care about the Raiders. So it makes me sad that that could happen. But like from a pure, just like logical perspective, looking at it from a football perspective, I don't think it like it makes sense because you're gonna get these draft picks that the Bears gave to you. Um, you move on from Carr when it's cut when he's cuttable, and then you move to a city, a new city with a new quarterback, a fresh start. Like I think that is probably the smarter way to go about building this. Philip Rivers will be gone by then. Um, it, it's a little bit sad to think about that. And like the thing yeah, is, maybe not, maybe not. They give him a, they give him a ten year contract with that much money. Like they're not. I don't think they're. I think they understand that Gruden can go six and ten this year, and he's not getting fired. You know what I mean? Like they're not firing him. He can go. He can, he can go. Right. He can go. Oh, be, he can go. Oh, sixteen. I, he's not getting fired. The the whole point is that like he's going to say, I haven't gotten a chance to draft my quarterback and develop my quarterback. It's like you know, a college coach like his recruits haven't gotten in there. I yet. think I think you're selling it way short. John Gruden can go zero oh, sixteen, cut Derek Carr, trade. Um, I don't know, he can like Bruce, he can, trade Bruce Irvin and like trade Bruce Irvin and knock the Al Davis eternal flame statue over and he won't get fired. Like there's nothing he can do to get fired. He's run. This is his team. Mark Davis is, has given him the authority by virtue of that contract to rebuild this team in his image. And he's trading Khalil Mack. He's, he's, I, I think he, I think he's talked to enough people around the league where he thinks he can find a cheap quarterback. Like he thinks he can create that window for himself with these draft picks and that cheap quarterback, and he can create it when he goes to Oakland, and he's selling Mark Davis on that. I don't know. Um, and, and here's the here's the funny thing is that like I've been such a Gruden critic ever since he got hired because of him making the roster older, all these trading Mac, all these things that everyone has criticized him for. But like if this is what he's doing, if this is the master plan. I would approve of it 100% because I don't think you win with $25 million Derek Carr as your quarterback no, with that roster no. as currently constructed. So I think it's really the smart, logical move. And I don't know, Raiders fans just probably have to swallow it. And I think what is becoming clear, and again, I want to make it clear, this isn't me reacting to week one Derek Carr being bad. Uh, like, and, for me, I've seen Derek Carr do this now for two, two, two full seasons 
and week one tonight. I did my That's co- why I think you gotta move on. I did my quarterback rankings for week one and I, I had to check with Ryan Wilson. I was like, I want to put Derek Carr in this quarterback limbo situation, but I kind of feel like I have to put him in the next generation just sort of by default. And he's like, yeah, you probably do. Just yeah, I read that actually. Yeah. And I was like, eh, I don't want to do it, but I don't want to be blocked by Derek Carr on Twitter just for like, like bumping him down. So I bumped, so I bumped him up a little bit. And I, now I wish I'd left him down. I think he is quarterback limbo. And the other thing that struck me, Sean, I don't know if you saw John Gruden right after the game. He wasn't that mad. Like, since when is John Gruden not irate about losing I, him? He's like, he's like oh, you know, they're a better team. What are we going to do? We lost you know game. why? Because he probably wants to move on from Derek Carr. And you know what? No one is talking about after this game what a disaster return for Gruden. Like, what a horrible – they gave this guy $100 million, What a joke. They're talking about no, they're the like, Raiders paid him – they paid Derek Carr $25 million and traded Khalil Mack. And what a mistake that was. That's what they're talking about. They're talking about the fact that the Raiders roster is not good enough to win right now and that Derek Carr is overpaid and they, that the, I mean like I'm, yeah, look, I don't don't know. All right. Um, by the way, how do you feel about the Rams in this game? Because they weren't like that impressive and like they got a couple, they got a garbage time pick to like. We've talked about, we've talked about this game too long. You don't, you don't want, you don't, no, 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 it's fine. I mean like I, we can talk forever, but we have 26 minutes, 26 minutes of Brady Quinn coming up as well. And, I need to tell everybody about the fact that you can go to NFL.com backslash pick six. And if you want to watch all the John Gruden calls, you want to know about all the terrible Derek Carr throws. You don't want to spend all day long watching these throws, but you want to catch up on them. Go to NFL.com backslash pick six and sign up for a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass, the only way to watch every single NFL game Uh relive the entire week that was you didn't you didn't you didn't stay up till 2 30 in the freaking morning talking about the Raiders or watching the Raiders because you didn't want to deal with uh your kid running into your room at 6 a.m and screaming daddy 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 do you love me more than football and you're like yeah sure buddy whatever you say no you didn't want to deal with that so you went to bed like a normal person but you can relive the Raiders-Rams game in all its glory. Find out how John Gruden's offense looked. Find out how Marcus Peters looked diving backwards into the end zone while grabbing his crotch at the end of the game. You can do all of that by going to NFL.com backslash pick six and use Game Pass. Sean will tell you it's the only – like you have to have it. It's invaluable if you write about the NFL. And if you love football, it's something you need to have to watch the All-22 to get all the condensed games. You can catch up on the week that was. Go check it out. Free seven-day trial, NFL.com backslash pick six. Okay, so we got to talk about the Jets and Lions as well. We can, we'll come back. We'll have time to come back about the Rams. The Rams are going to be in the. We news. don't need to come back to the Rams. The Rams. I was going to say the Rams are fine. Like this is a slow. It reminded me of the Eagles when or the Falcons. Like they're going to be sloppy. They're not fully there yet. But all that matters is you get a win. You add it to the win column, and it's going to matter when they're battling for home field advantage. Yeah, so they're going to be rolling by mid October. They snuffed out a bad team in the fourth quarter. It didn't play well in the for a fired up Raiders team. I'm not worried about the Rams at all. Um, Sean McVay's a genius. The yeah, the Rams are going to be good. The defense will be fine. Uh, the Jets and Lions. So this was a wild. So it's for, you know, like it's not as I wrote. It's not how you start the game. It's how you finish. Sam Darnold didn't start it very well. His very first pass of his professional career, he runs a play action boot out to the right, stops, looks, turns, throws across his body across the field, and Quandre Diggs snags the ball in midair. It sprints down the field, pick six. Lions are up seven nothing, and oh man, everybody that I told to bet on Sam Darnold for rookie of the year is mad at me. And then Sam Darnold looked great. Sean, what'd you think about Sam Darnold? 
I was probably lower on him than like the way you sound about him or like most of Twitter was, but I was, I was really impressed. I mean, this is his first oh, yeah, start. That's right. You didn't like Sam Darnold. I forgot. No, I, I mean, okay, I didn't like his touchdown throw and like everyone was acting like it was the greatest throw in the history of throws and footballs. Um, I thought he was impressive though. I mean, you throw a horrible pick six that is like embarrassing, like lol Jets, butt fumble team. Like you can't take the Jets out of the Jets. And he comes back and I think like it was less about like the touchdown throw and all that. It was more about his composure in the pocket. Like he didn't get rattled. Um, you know, I don't know if he did anything like for me, like incredible. Like he didn't like wow me necessarily. Um, but he, he was consistent. Um, he didn't like, I think the biggest thing is you would see so many guys throw that pick and fold. And like the first play of the game, you throw that pick six and everyone's thinking lines blow out. Like everyone's like, this is why I picked the Lions defense in fantasy. Like, what a bloodbath this is going to be. And the Jets routed them. And, like, that wasn't all about Darnold. The Jets defense is probably what impressed me more um, than Darnold. Um, but, no, he looked the part. He looked everything, like, you would expect a number three pick to look like. And it's, 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 it's amazing that he did that after how the game started. Like, nothing but praise for him. I just think the hype got a little bit too much and like he's going to have growing pains throughout the year. Um, but he clearly has the tools to succeed. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I talked to Darnold once this all season on this podcast and I mean, look, if I'm, I mean, again, I've said this a lot. Like, I don't think you can take a ton out of a five, five or 10 or 15 minute conversation over the phone. This kid's just level headed and nothing shakes him too much. And I think you saw that because you're right. Like most dudes throw that pick and then absolutely fold. Darnold finished the night. By the way, the Jets won 48-17 to in an absolute and utter unexpected bloodbath that nobody saw coming. The Lions were six-point favorites. Of course, the Jets covered. Uh, the over got blasted by the Jets themselves. It was 47-and-a-half. By the way, the under hit on, uh, on Oakland and, um, and Los Angeles. And, of course, the, the Rams, the Rams won, the Rams covered. Yes. The line, the, the game was so bad that ESPN cut oh. short the game coverage to go to pre-game coverage in yeah. Oakland. And Todd Bowles took a knee at the end of the game in the red zone when they could could have kicked a field goal. Like was, if yeah. you are getting like if if Todd Bowles and he the Jets are, 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 trying, are trying to be nice to you to not run up a score, yeah. that is just humiliating. It is. It really is. Uh, Sam Darnold finished 16 of 21 for 198 yards, two touchdowns, and that single interception on the first throw. The completion percentage is what really strikes me, Sean, and not not necessarily like I get that the the touchdown to Robbie Anderson on the left side. It was a a jump ball. Robbie Anderson went up and got it. That's the one Sean didn't like that the the Twitter kind of did like. I liked his touchdown pass to Quincy Anunua, who had 10 targets for six catches and 63 yards. You should be targeting him on the waiver wire this week. Uh, Robbie Anderson, a single target for one catch and 41 yards. I still think Robbie Anderson will be a big part of this. Uh, Darius Slay traditionally locks down number one receivers, and so you have to figure that's part of what that was. I haven't seen the coverage stats, but yeah, also a weird game. They weren't throwing it a ton. Um, I just thought that I was really impressed with the way that Jeremy Bates put Sam Darnold in a position to make good throws and to overcome that bad start. The other thing I was really impressed with, Isaiah Crowell. Holy crap. They ran the ball. I got to tell you, so every year, and I mentioned this when we had Aaron Schatz on this podcast, every year there's somebody in Football Outsiders uh, Kubiak projections that I look at and I'm like, what is this dude doing here? 
Like, get the, come on, stop it. Like, I'm not drafting Isaiah Crowell here. And it was Isaiah Crowell this year, and I ended up picking him up in a few leagues. He might be a really good pickup for the Jets. Ten carries, 102 yards, and two touchdowns, uh, including an early touchdown, and then also including a 62-yard untouched rumble, which leads me into my second point about this, that this is humiliating, humiliating, for Matt Patricia to deal with this in week one, to get absolutely sandblasted by the Jets, to have you're down 31 to 17 and Isaiah Crowell is ripping off a 62 yard untouched run. You're supposed to have come in and fixed the defense. Um, you know, you, you kept the offense consistent and, and Matthew Stafford stunk four picks. Uh, Darren, Darren Lee said the linebacker for the Jets said after the game, he had two interceptions, said that Matthew Stafford was, uh, showing his signals. 12, 12 targets, seven catches, 114 yards for Kenny Galladay. Hello. 15, uh, targets, seven catches, 79 yards and a touchdown for Golden Tate. Marvin Jones could have had two long touchdowns, but could not reel them in. Um, I think that the Lions, and it is a knee-jerk week one reaction, but I think the Lions are clearly the worst team in the NFC North. Yeah, and I think the concerning thing for Matt Patricia is like he's not taking over this team that, oh, we're going to have a long rebuild, we are coming off a 2-14 and season. Like This has been a team that's been in the playoff hunt for the last like three years, and they fire Jim Caldwell because the whole thing is they're saying – we got to get over the hump. Like Jim Caldwell is not the guy to get us over the hump. Like we're hiring someone to take us to the next level. So like Matt Patricia isn't really afforded this like patient approach of he's in the middle of a rebuild. Like he's got the quarterback there that like for better or for worse, he has to win with Matthew Stafford. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and so I think that's a concerning thing. And like for me, this game is more about the Lions and less about the Jets. I, I, I like I don't think we know what to make about the Jets yet because it was just one team completely crapping the bed. Um, I don't know. I think that the Jets, I think we saw, uh, yeah, the look. I don't think the Jets are as bad where we think they were going to be. I'll say that. Like, their defense looked good. They ran the ball while their offensive line looked good. And I think, like, they have enough there in place. Like, I remember during the Kirk Cousins sweepstakes, I think it was, Jason Lockenfora was talking about where's Cousins going to go. And there was a big argument, like, would he go to Denver or would he go to New York? And I remember, I feel like it was Prisco was calling JLC crazy for suggesting that the Jets would be better equipped because the Jets have already done the thing where they got the roster of all these old, mm. older players and they've already started the, the process of rebuilding. And like maybe what if they're further along than we thought they would be? I, I think they are. Look, JLC also pointed out that he thought the Jets might be a sleeper because of the wide receivers are better than people think. They got Crowell, who's a nice addition. Um, Jamal Adams is the the real deal. That dude punishes people. He picked up his first interception tonight, or, or on, on Monday night, excuse me. Uh, Tremaine Johnson left with a concussion. That he, I mean, I shouldn't laugh about that. But, wow. Yeah, sorry. Um, well, he made an interception, and then he got absolutely just kick-started by Kenny, Kenny Galladay. On a, what a yeah. What a hit. I mean, come what on. It was, it was awesome. For a like, receiver. It was yeah, an incredible yeah. hit. Maybe it wasn't a concussion. Maybe it was something else, Sean. Um, I think it was, yeah. <laughs> I think it was a concussion. Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh about that. You know what I, I mean. For a receiver to lay that hit on a, on a defensive back was impressive. Avery, and, and fumble and force a fumble and the Lions yeah, get it back. Yeah. Avery Williamson played really well. Um, I, I just thought that the, the Jets, I think this Jets defense, if they stay healthy, can be a lot better than people think. I, I would throw the Jets in the mix. I don't think it's crazy to throw them in the mix along with, um, the, they're not, they're not at the, the level. South team or whatever. 
Yeah, you're sure. talking about throwing in the mix for a wild card spot. Yeah, for one of those two wild card spots. It's the it's not the NFC. Like there yeah. could be an eight and eight team sneaking into the playoffs, and like so, like what if the Jags potentially win the AFC South? You have maybe the Texans or Titans being one of those teams. Well, the Titans. By, by the way, we should touch on the Titans real quick. We didn't talk about the Titans and Dolphins on our recap podcast. I I realized that actually. Oh, you did today. Right. Oh, today or. Monday. I had, uh, I had, um, somebody email me about it. Uh, Lucas, uh, Lucas Mark Hancock, three names, um, three good names. He emailed me. It was like, Hey, any chance you can recap that game? You forgot it. And I was like, yeah, sure. Just recap that seven hour game that nobody watched. Um, the, the game well, was I mean, off. The game was off for 12 hours. And nobody watched it. But I, I think the biggest concern I have, um, with the Titans situation is that Marcus Mariota is hurt. And it could be, it could be serious. Delaney Walker is now out for the year with a broken ankle on a play that was really tough to watch. Taylor Lewan is banged up. You wrote about this. I mean, I don't, if the, if the Titans don't have their starting tight end, their starting tight end, the starting left, left tackle, tackle and their starting quarterback, they're not going to be a playoff team. Not to mention, like, it's week one and like, we don't want to overreact to like how players look in new systems, but it's not like Mariota suddenly looked like the guy we thought he was going to look in a new offense. Like, he was pretty bad before he left with the injury. And, like, I've been a pretty, like, big Mariota supporter. Like, I liked him over Jameis. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I don't look at the Titans and think, oh, that that's a playoff team right there. Like, I think maybe we gave Mike Mularkey too much crap, like, and been <laughs> like, oh, once you take him out the building, this Titans team is going to explode. And, like, maybe it also has to do a little bit with the personnel. Yeah, I, I will say this. Uh, Derrick Henry had a 60-yard touchdown run that was called back on a BS holding call against Delaney Walker. Um, he could have had a really nice day. That would have been 11 carries for 86 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Deion Lewis had 16 yards or 16 carries, 75 yards and a touchdown and was also targeted eight times, five catches, 35 yards. Deion Lewis might be the guy to own in that backfield. He might just be startable as long as he's healthy. Corey Davis, 13 targets. Hello, six catches, 62 yards. But it's all going to be for not if Blaine Gabbard is forced to start. They need Marcus Marriott in there. Although he was just nine to sixteen for 103 yards and and two interceptions. I'm not giving up on Marcus Mariota, but I, I understand uh, why people would be concerned for the Dolphins. They they made some plays, man. They just they made some plays. They had a uh, Tannehill had a very the knock against him to this point in his career has been the deep ball. Um, and and Adam Gase certainly runs a system that caters more towards dink and dump. Yep. He had a very good deep ball to um Kenny one Stills. Of the Kenny Stills, who was on my fantasy team against John Breach, by the way. Nice. Did, um, you, did you win? I did win. Nice. Um but I think that was a good sign. Like like I, I I don't know if we're just talking about the Jets. Like I think it's very clearly with how the Bills looked on Sunday. Like I think second place in the AFC East is gonna between the gonna be between the Dolphins and Jets. There's and, the there's the Patriots, then there's the Dolphins and the Jets, and then there's the Bills. Right, right. I don't, and I, and I don't, do think I don't feel one advantage, sorry. The one advantage I would give the Dolphins is I know Darnold looked great um, on Monday night, but like I would say the Dolphins probably have the better quarterback for this year, not in the future, but for this year because I trust Tannehill more than I trust Darnold. And I is it crazy to put the Dolphins in that 
eight and eight, no, nine fine. and seven playoff mix? No. I don't think it is. No, I, I like the Dolphins over this year, and I like the Dolphins as a wild card contender if Ryan Tannehill stays healthy and, and Adam Gase's guys do what he wants. By the way, Dolphins and Jets will play this coming Sunday in New York, weather permitting, of course. There's a hurricane bearing down on the southeastern seaboard, just coming straight to my house. Um, if, uh, hopefully, hopefully I won't have to miss a podcast day. We are potentially evacuating on Wednesday. So you can tweet me your, your kind words and, and say that I hope I'm all right. Or you can leave a review and rate this podcast. Um, all right, we got to get out of here. We talked too long. That's fine. This is supposed to be a little quick intro topper, but it's always fun to chat with you, Sean. You can follow Sean at Sean J. Wagner. He is uh, mostly a good follow on Twitter, except for when you're tweeting about the Mariners and, and Brandon. Mariners are done now. so The Mariners are brand new. I'm sorry for your loss. The Rangers are also done. I'm going to go 2-1 and one on my baseball bets this year. First time in three years I haven't gone 3-0. and oh. I'm a little What bit. was your baseball bets? I took the Rangers over, which – loser Padres under which is I need two more Padres losses to get I think and the Phillies over which uh four more Phillies wins will get it that's that's a pretty successful no yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but it, yeah but it, me and me and three of my friends go in on three teams each year and we've gone three and oh the last three years so we're a little spoiled a little spoiled uh that's okay all right we're gonna go talk to Brady Quinn and see find out who's up and who's down this year around the NFL thanks Sean thanks All right, Brady, thanks for hopping on the phone. Always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. As I understand it, if, uh, if the, uh, if the boss gods are kind enough, we're gonna, we're gonna chat maybe, uh, maybe once a week. Is that right? Yeah, we are. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's once a week, if not more. I mean, you know what happens when you and I get together. Crazy things happen. So, <laughs> uh, as of right now, it's only once a week. Apparently that's, that's all they can take of us there at CBS, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Well, you have the cachet to get this podcast like renamed or, or like put like, it'll be like the, the Brady Quinn show with Will Brinson. And then I can, that's, that's the only way, that's the only <laughs> it way. It only work, it only work once, right? During <laughs> yeah. the week with you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'll do it. I, I'll do it daily, but it'll still be the Brady Quinn show with Will Brinson. That's how, uh, that's, <laughs> that's how these things work. And I'm, a, and I'm okay with that, Brady. By the way, uh, so we got a hurricane coming. That reminds me, the last time a hurricane hit Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, Deshaun Kaiser was playing in the rain against NC State and Notre Dame lost right here on the field in Carter Finley. I don't bring that up for Notre Dame reasons. I bring that up because Deshaun Kaiser was on the field on Sunday night uh, in an incredible Packers-Bears game. You like how I snuck that Notre Dame jab in without even like allowing you to stop and and, and talk? Uh, Deshaun Kaiser saw the field, but very briefly, Aaron Rodgers comes back from what looked like a knee injury. And I have, I have two questions for you that are not at all related to each other, uh, except for the connection of Aaron Rodgers. One... Did you think it was smart that the Packers put Aaron Rodgers back in the game? And two, is Aaron Rodgers the most physically gifted quarterback you have ever seen? So one, uh, yeah, I think if they didn't feel like he could injure his, you know, MCL, whatever it is, if they didn't feel like he could make it worse, then yeah, I think it's okay if he could deal with the pain to go back into the game. And go win that game for him, which, by the way, they're not winning against Chicago at home had they not put him back in that game. Divisional games are important, and I think he does have to set the precedent that Matt Nagy, his staff, and Mitchell Trubisky, they may feel like they've got all this momentum now that they got Cleo Mack on their side. You still can't beat Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau <laughs> Field, okay? Not all heroes wear caves, and that was a heroic performance last night from one Aaron Rodgers. And look, is he the most physically gifted 
he's got to be right up there. Um, I, I think when you go and, and you look at some of the, the greatest of all time, yeah, those guys all have you know ridiculous gifts, but it's his arm as strong as Josh Allen. Um, I, I don't know. It's probably close. Hmm. Uh, but I can tell you this much, he's about as accurate as it gets. He can make those funny body throws where he doesn't have to position himself and make all those throws. And I, I think the other thing that he's got is this uncanny ability to kind of get out of messes and make something happen with his legs. That's going to be the question moving forward, though. How this injury lingers on throughout the season. they got a big one coming up next week versus another divisional opponent. Did they decide to sit him uh, just to ensure that they've got him for a longer portion of the season um, that's what I'm most curious to see. But nonetheless, uh, what a performance by Aaron Rodgers. And what a performance by Randall Cobb. A lot of people have mm. kind of wrote him off that he wasn't up for a big season because of the addition of Jimmy Graham and Devontae Adams looking good. But Randall Cobb, Drano Allison, those guys really stepped up as well. Yeah, no no doubt about it. Let me. All right, so where does this I – th- I think week one is is really interesting to, to decide, like, how – how we want to adjust our perceptions because we, we, you know, we all, we spend six months bloviating about who we think is going to win the division. Great word. Thank you. I'm, I'm a professional bloviator. Uh, I'm loquacious. Um, the, uh, but the, like we spend all this time talking about it and then all of a sudden the gut check reality of week one shows up and we, we realize that maybe we don't know as much about uh, certain teams as we thought we did. What did the Bears show you, at least in the first half, that do you feel any different about the Bears and Matt Nagy and, and the potential that that, that that club might have this year uh, than you did coming into to the season? The only thing I feel difference, uh, difference about now is Cleo Mack being a part of that defense mm-hmm. and the impact that he can have and that that defense, how good that defense can be. Um, that, that to me is, is a game changer for that team. And I think, you know, it's going to help keep Mitchell Trubisky in ball games and it's not going to force him to have to do too much. But in, in regards to the offense, I thought they got really conservative in the second half. Maybe they felt comfortable with the lead. I mean, when you're up at that point, was it 20 to nothing when Aaron yeah. Rodgers came to the game? Yeah. I mean, maybe you're just trying to run out the clock, take up a little additional time, run the football, be conservative. That's fine. That's not going to beat the Green Bay Packers. That's not going to beat the Minnesota Vikings. So ultimately they're going to have to start opening, opening some things up. I thought incorporating Mitchell Trubisky in the run game, that's going to be helpful, but you, know, you kind of want him to get away from that. You'd mm-hmm. rather him kind of utilize that skill set naturally by scrambling if he has to, and then just keeping teams honest on third down in the red zone. But you'd, you'd like to be able to see him play more from the pocket. You'd like to see him stre- you know, stretch the ball down the field more. I, I thought there was times on the final drive when they were trying to go down just to get into field goal range, to try to kick, you know, give a kick to win it, that was the wrong time to start taking shots. At that, yeah. that point in time where you just want to be able to get some completions, get the ball moving, and unfortunately ended up stalling out and ended up in a sack fumble. So, uh, I, you know, I, I didn't come away as impressed as maybe other people were with this offense, uh, and I didn't necessarily come away overly impressed, too, with the, the defense for Green Bay. I think they did enough, but with the changes that they made with defense coordinator Mike Pettin, um, the draft picks in the secondary, bringing in Muhammad Wilkerson, uh, I wasn't quite as impressed as I thought I may be week one for the Packers defense either. Yeah, I think the Packers for me, they're just, they are, like, I think the defense will probably be better over the long haul, um, with Wilkerson instead of, um, uh, Dom Capers, but I think basically the Packers are what I thought they were, which is a team that can win, win any game and win the Super Bowl if Aaron Rodgers is healthy and a team that, um, could be in, in deep, deep trouble if Aaron Rodgers isn't healthy. I, I don't know if you know this, Brady. I didn't, 
play quarterback at the at the NFL level. Um, I didn't know that. Some people, some people, that. some people who listen to this podcast aren't aware of that. I just wanted to get that on the air before you, you know, didn't want you to be confused about it as well. Um, why can't the Chicago Bears script uh, script series and script plays? For the second half, like they did for the first half, because I mean that that seemed to be what really got them going and got the got the Packers off kilter on defense, having those those really well scripted plays. It's an Andy Reid staple. Matt Nagy clearly brought it over. Um, why couldn't they come out and script something like that in the second half uh, to try and go up twenty twenty one or twenty eight or whatever you know, twenty seven to to nothing? Well, a couple things. Give the Green Bay Packers coaching staff some credit sure. for making the adjustments right and being able to stop some of what they were trying to accomplish. Um, but also, uh, here's what I think happened a little bit. I think when Aaron Rodgers walked back into the game, everyone else said, oh, shoot. <laughs> good, good catch. Thank this this, this guy's coming back, and he's coming back to win this football game. He's not coming back if he just thinks they're going to you know, waltz over the field and just come back to, to lose this game. Uh, I think there was probably a sense of that on the Bears' sideline. You know, like they had thought they had taken down the under- Undertaker, and then next thing you know, he starts to rise up from the dead. <laughs> Look at you with a WWE reference. Who was your favorite wrestler growing up, by the way? Because you're, we're, uh, we're... I, I really wasn't that big what? into it. If I had to say one, it's probably cliche, but Hulk Hogan, then The Undertaker, then after that, um, I'm trying to think of the two brothers. The, uh, uh, the, the Steiner brothers? No, or the Legion, the Legion of brothers. Doom, the guys with the spikes? Yeah, I was the guy with the spikes. Was that yeah. him? Legion of Doom. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, jeez. It's been so long, man. I know. Well, I mean, you're, I mean, you're, we're roughly the, you know, you're, you're younger than I, I mean, slightly younger than I am, but we're, we're in the same demographic. I mean, like, that's for, I mean, I would have thought, you know, a young lad growing up in the Midwest that, uh, that WWE was, you know, the, 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 the bee's knees, as we say in the South. <laughs> <laughs> just, don't, don't put that stereotype on me, all right? Uh, I'll I, just leave it at that. No, it's fine. And by the way, you can, if you want to swear on this podcast, but it will cause me to have to go back and bleep it out and, uh, could potentially, oh wait, we, we learned our lesson about swearing. We had, uh, something that we said. Yeah, I could say ass, right? I you can totally say, say ass. You can say ass, yes. Um, okay. as far as I understand. Uh, but I think that we are probably better off leaving the, the Car- George Carlin words, uh, alone. So, so good catch there. With, um, I think my thing with the Bears defense, you and I talked about this before too, because we were previewing the Bears and you pointed out, uh, I think your analogy was like the, the cupboard, you know, you go to the cupboard and you hope you have something and you didn't quite have enough <laughs> of what you wanted. Um, I think that the Bears looked a little bit like, uh, maybe the, the, um, the, the, the Falcons in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Like they came out guns blazing. But at the end of the day, they didn't have enough depth to withstand what Aaron Rodgers brought to him. And that that Undertaker thing works, too, because you could see it, like, again, in that same game, like, once Tom Brady got the ball against the Falcons in the Super Bowl, down one score, it's like, well, this is over. Like, the, the Patriots are going to win this. And once Aaron Rodgers got the ball, uh, once, it, once Matt Nagy decided to kick and Aaron Rodgers got the ball down six, I was fully um, convinced – and rightfully so, that Aaron Rodgers w- was going to put seven points on the board for the Packers. I just wasn't sure how quickly it would happen. I wasn't that sure until uh, was it Kyle Fuller dropped dropped the interception mm. right in his bread basket. That's when you um, knew. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, at that point, I was like, okay, this isn't going to end well for <laughs> Bears fans. You should just turn the channel now. Uh, but yeah, th- it was at that moment I was almost positive. So yeah. 
Uh, all right. Well, uh, moving along to another game, the, uh, the Cleveland Browns team that, uh, you, you know pretty well. Um, they, they have, they're up to their best start since 2004. Have you seen that stat? Undefeated. Uh, they're, 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 they're not, they did not lose. That is, that's a wild stat. Uh, do you, who's the bigger loser here with a tie, the Browns or the Steelers? Ooh, that's a good question. I, I think it's going to be the Steelers for this reason. I, I don't think the Browns over the course of the season are going to be competing. Uh, for the AFC North. I think they'll make improvements. I don't think they're going to be competing for that division, right? Yeah. Baltimore just beat the crap out of the mm-hmm. Buffalo Bills. I think Joe Flacco feels like he's a man on fire. He's got something to prove. He's got a little, sw- little swagger to him. Like he looks like felt and like kind of, kind of, he looks pissed off, right? Like, like in a, yeah. in, a, in a, in a cocky kind of way. I like cocky Joe Flacco. Man on fire, man. He, yeah. he reminds me of like Denzel Washington in that movie. Like he is <laughs> upset. He's coming out to get everyone at this point, and maybe he feels like he's auditioning for every other team right now. So um, the addition of Crabtree, John Brown, and Willie Snead, that's kind of paying off for them. All three, caught, defense, all, all three caught touchdowns, by the way. Yes, which I think, did I hear that's the first time like they didn't, a wide receiver didn't catch a touchdown pass last year or something like that? that or would, maybe they didn't have multiple or something like that. Or anyway, like, yeah, yeah, multiple receivers with a touchdown in a single game. That would make touchdown. sense, yeah. Yeah, so uh, that was ridiculous. Their defense was ridiculous. So they'll be competitive. And then the Bengals, like, don't sleep on the Bengals. They've got a lot of talented pieces. If Eifert stays healthy, John Ross got a touchdown pass, A.J. Green's A.J. Green and Joe Mixon, like their offensive line plays improve. That's that's a team to keep your eye on, and their defense is pretty salty. So I think it hurts them more because now you're looking at Baltimore and Cincinnati. If they end up sweeping the Browns, you know, they don't have to worry about potentially have a tie in their record. They've, they've got that W. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Where, you know, sticking with that stock up, stock down theme, where would you – I mean, clearly the Browns are, or I'd say the Browns, I don't know, the Browns are probably stay the same for me, but how would you sort out the next three teams if, if you were, you know, making a knee jerk post week one, uh, reaction to what you saw on, on Sunday? How would you, how would you slot out the Ravens, Bengals and Steelers? Cause to me, there's a very vi- viable argument that the Steelers are the least balanced of all three of those teams. Yeah, I, I, I love uh, doing this, this activity, but if we have to, I would say Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cincinnati, Cleveland, in that order. Okay. Um, so, and, not mu- so, so not much has changed for you then in terms of just seeing week one? No, or... and that's, that's more how I view things after week one anyway. Like, I yeah. think there's some games you can't learn much about either team. Like Carolina and Dallas, I, I just, it was a close game, but I don't think either team's going to be that good this year. Mm. So I, I, look at, I look at both those teams and I think, oh, okay, yeah, Carolina won at home. Kind of expected that, you know, the home field advantage. And then there's Dallas that doesn't really have a passing game because they don't have any really wide receivers. Sorry. So, it, it, like, it, all that kind of made sense to me. I just don't know there's a ton to take away from that performance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why, like, in, in, the, in the same vein, I think you could say, okay, what happens if we send Joe Flacco and the Ravens into Cleveland against the Browns um, in a sloppy game, you know, it's not going to be 47 to three. And if you send Pittsburgh to home and they get to play the bills, you know, I don't think it's going to be 21 all after, after five quarters. Right. I mean, like that's, it's just a, that's a kind of a tough spot to open up to if you're, if you're the Steelers, but I, I, I think you're right. I mean that when you look at the way that the Bengals and the, the Ravens looked, at least they, they passed the, the functional eye test in terms of being able to run the ball, being able to pass the ball. The Ravens offense is much improved, it appears, and both of those defenses are going to be tough. I, I just don't think I don't think Pittsburgh is going to have the slam dunk path through the AFC North that a lot of people might have projected them to have uh, before the season. You mentioned Dallas and Carolina. Are are we looking at two NFC con- 
contenders or is this two contenders for a top draft pick come uh, come May? I wouldn't be shocked if these two teams were in the top half of the draft next year. Um, maybe even one of them in the top ten. I just I think they're so far away from from being what they need to be in order to compete in the NFC. It's such a competitive conference. And Dallas right now is lacking the pieces. I, they don't have the weapons on the outside. I don't think Dak's there uh, throwing from the pocket. Their offensive line play is pretty weak. I mean, it's a shade of what it was a couple years ago. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. Their defense has improved. I think their defense will keep them in ball games for that reason this year. Not the same team. And Cam Newton, um, he, it, you know, they're still working through the kinks of a new system and a North Turner. I love the run option plays. But that does make him more susceptible to injury. But McCaffrey and Cam Newton at the backfield running option could be a little bit dangerous, and that's going to keep them competitive. But at the same time, you know that that defense is a little bit concerning. Uh, I know they got after um, Dak a little bit, but I just talked about the offensive line issues, and um, you know they were somewhat in that game at times. And, and I, I don't know. I just I don't think they're going to stack up very well amongst the rest of the teams in the NFC South. But that being said, the Tampa Bay Bucks did go to New Orleans <laughs> and, right, and drop were. like 500 yards and Fitzmagic just tore them apart. So Dude, maybe I'm just completely looking at this the wrong way. No, I mean, but like that's the beauty of week one. And that look, that's why you're doing this. You know, I'm being the provoca- provocateur here and like asking you to give me a hot take week one after we saw a bunch of stuff that might not be reality. And, and then like, like Ryan Fitzpatrick is probably not going to average 14.8 yards per, per attempt over the course of a, a season, right? Or even, or even three games. Let me ask you about, about, or Fitz- maybe he is, maybe as his beard grows, he gets more strength and he gets better at <laughs> maybe, yeah. you know, this sort of thing. Who I, knows? Did you, did you know that um, he went to Harvard? I don't, a lot of people don't know that either. That's a, did he really? Yeah. And that makes all the sense in the world now. He's such a smart guy. Right. I never right. would have known. Like right. that's the first time anyone's ever said that. <laughs> I, I'm out here dropping knowledge bombs. Um, when, uh, you know, when on the Fitzpatrick thing though, would you, because I think this varies based on who you ask, and I don't think either answer is wrong, depending on how things play out. They have two more games uh, before Jameis Winston is eligible to come back from suspension. They have to play the uh, Eagles in Tampa and then the Steelers in Pittsburgh. I think I'll double check that. Would you, if Ryan Fitzpatrick were to go two and one or three and zero, oh, um, would you give him the start in Week Four over Jameis Winston? Against the Let Bears. the magic show continue, baby. I mean, you got to go with the hot hand in this case. <laughs> you uh, can't or. tell if you're being sarcastic or not. I'm being 100% serious. Okay. I think if you're Dirk Cutter at this point and you feel like your job's on the line, and it is, you've got to go with the hot hand. I don't know how you could ever go uh, to Jameis Winston after watching this your quarterback go through a tough slate of games, this tough part of your schedule, and go 2-1. and one. I, I think that would be detrimental to your team. And look – these guys love Ryan Fitzpatrick. The rushing touchdown he had, him lowering his shoulder and, and driving the Saints defender into the end zone, that's the kind of thing that they love about him because they feel like he's genuine and he's legit and he just he is who he is. I, I think the, the biggest dichotomy, if you will, in, in that locker room is probably the fact that you know, they don't feel like Jameis Winston is genuine. You know, he kind of mm. says all these things, goes out there, the pep talks and all that. And then behind closed doors, he's, he's doing stupid stuff and getting in trouble. And with Ryan Fitzpatrick, it's the exact opposite. You know, he, he's the guy who they, they, he looks to be and says he is, and, and that holds true. So 
Uh, if you're if you're Duck Dirk Cutter, I don't I don't know how you could potentially sacrifice <laughs> the momentum they're building right now with Fitzmagic. Did you almost call him Disc Cutter? Is that what you were about to accidentally? I, say? I was thinking about that. We had so, I think I was going in so many different directions there with the Fitzmagic, and I was trying to think about some other ways of slowly kind of putting in some disco, but yeah, it didn't quite work. Very out. very nice. Uh, and, and hey, credit for dichotomy. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't get a good education. Um, at, at Notre Dame, because you certainly can. I, I mean, we just can't win football games in hurricanes. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Well, you know, who, who can? NC State has a surprisingly good record in hurricanes. Apologies if you could hear my dogs jingling ass in the background there. Um, he's, uh, he's decided to wake up and. Why is his ass jingling is the question? Uh, well, we, uh, we attached some, uh, bells to his, uh, testicles so we know where he is at all times. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Could you attach bells elsewhere? <laughs> yeah. Still yeah, but I don't, I don't, I don't really like the dog, so we decided, you know, we, um, Does he still have his testicles? No, it, no, it, no, he does. Did you get nudicles for him? He did got, you get those prosthetic nudicles? No, they have those? What? Oh yeah, just so the dogs can keep their dignity. Shut yeah. up, dude. There's such oh, a thing yeah. as nudicles? Yeah. Oh, I, I want to know, I want to know the guy who invented those, who was like <laughs> looking at neutered dogs and was like, you know what? Something just doesn't look right. So these did, guys need a fake, you know, set of balls on them. How do the nudicles attach to the dog? They have to have a surgery. Like they, they put them in the sack, you know? Wait, what? They're like, yeah. So it's like calf implants, but for dog testicles? Yes, yeah. when they go to get neutered, instead of them taking, you know, taking out and just leaving like nothing the, there. Yeah, the little coin pouch. Out, they, yeah. they put in some, some nice old nudicles. How much does it cost? Can you, I guess you, I, I guess. I have no idea. I, I just, like I said, I want to meet the guy who invented that and really pick his brain about what's hurt him to do this. I mean, yeah, like we, we need to get that guy on the Brady Quinn show with Will Brinson at some point <laughs> over the course of this season to talk about that. Um, the, uh, the thing with the Panthers, I think, I don't know how we got not to go back off a of dog testicle, fake dog testicles back to the Panthers, but um, I thought Kawan Short looked really good for them blowing up the interior. I think that might be a direct byproduct of losing Travis Frederick and having yeah. Zach Martin banged up and, and Tyron Smith is banged up. I I think that what the Cowboys do, you think what the Cowboys have done with Dak Prescott's tiny contract on on their salary cap, um, not surrounding him with the the requisite talent at wide receiver. Like Deontay Thompson was heavily featured in their passing game. He, it's either him or Alan Hearns or Michael Gallup is their number one. They don't really have a weapon to tight end. I mean, have the Cowboys botched this window with, with Dak Prescott's rookie contract? Uh, you could make that case. But it really largely had to do with the fact that they're still paying Tony Romo, are they not? Yeah. I mean, they, they kind of botched the entire situation because they put themselves contractually in a spot where they're t- still paying for a guy – who hasn't been there for two years. And then on top of it, they haven't been able to use any money to then provide the quarterback who's here now under a more economical deal, the talent around him in order to succeed. So it's bizarre, like how the, the Cowboys has mismanaged this. And the toughest part is like, how do you evaluate Dak if that's the case? And, you know, who knows how the rest of the season's going to go, but they're partially to blame. I mean, the, the Cowboys front office is partially to blame for them putting themselves in this position and I, and I think it's incredibly difficult to to figure this out and let's say for example you do want to extend Dak and give him a big money deal that only hampers you more so moving forward for being able to build out around him so there really is like no solution in sight it's a hard evaluation and on top of it it's a hard decision to make on what, what they want to do with them long term the the highest cap percentage uh, in terms of a cap hit 
for the Cowboys, number one is Tyron Smith, who takes up 9.48% of their cap. Next is Demarcus Lawrence, who's on a franchise tag at $17.143 million. He takes up 9.26% of their cap. And then number three is a combination of Tony Romo and Des Bryant, who are taking up 9.13% of the Dallas Cowboys salary cap in 2018. That is some really bad mismanagement. And I think that, the, look, they might be okay down the line if Michael Gallup develops into a really good wide receiver and Dak can take a step forward. I, I The fact that Jerry Jones sped off from this game and didn't talk to reporters is a major red flag to me. Like, Jerry, when was the last time Jerry Jones didn't speak to uh, like a, a recording device within 10 yards of his face? It, it, it's been a while, right? And he's probably got recording devices all around him, so it's, it's it's a bit surprising, and you know I'm not I'm not sure what to make of it, but I mean, like I said too, I mean, how can you make that decision on Dak when with all these things, and then with the potential of you know maybe you're looking for a new coach or new head coach, right? Mm-hmm. And and so you know that's going to come first because whoever comes in there is going to be either a taking the job because of Dak or because they're being reassured that they can bring in their own guy if they don't like Dak. So you know there, there's a lot that goes into you know how things will turn out for the Dallas Cowboys this season. And what you know, the, the coaching staff and what the the team's going to look like going into the next year. Uh, all right, we're going to get you. I got one more question for you because I know you've got to go. Uh, you got, you're going to do some charity work. We can promote your charity on here, by the way. The Third and Goal Foundation. Third and Goal. That's a, with a three. Three yeah. RD and Goal Foundation dot yeah. org. You can check it out. Brady does uh, great work in the community. Not just a not just a fantastic analyst and uh, and uh, uh, man of of knowledge of interesting inventions, but also a uh, <laughs> philanthropist. Um, what about we talked about Patrick Mahomes? And I don't I don't think you were quite sold on him coming into the season. Uh, I, don't, I don't you know how much did you see of Patrick Mahomes? And do you think does your opinion change on the Chiefs? Or even the, you, know, you can talk about the Chargers too, if you want. But it, had, did Patrick Mahomes' first game change your opinion about what the Chiefs can be this season? Uh, a, a little bit. I think it's not so much about Patrick Mahomes; it's about the development of Tyree Kill. Yeah, I, I think he's really progressed into a precision route runner. His hands have gotten better, and he's now become this guy that you can throw a variety of routes to. It's not just he's a deep threat or a return man or a gadget guy. You know, he, he's now a bona fide number one wide receiver and. That was the progression I was looking to see if he would make. I think he has to match that with Kelsey, to match that with Kareem Hunt, to match that with the fact that Patrick Mahomes seems to be able to just put a football in whatever window he wants. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've got Andy Reid calling plays. Like, like this is a dangerous offense. The guy I'm looking to see what impact he has is Sammy Watkins. Yeah. I'm kind of curious to see how he mixes in. But all that being said, their defense was pretty bad. And D Ford looks good now. He's healthy. And I also don't know what to make of it because, like, it's such an L.A. Charger thing to do. Like, we have all this hype. We're supposed to be good. I know Bosa didn't play, and that was a huge factor in this game. But it's like they just they go out there, and they're like, yeah, it's September. We're not really good now. We just wait till November, December to turn it on, and then we end up, like, 9-7, and seven and we make the playoffs or we don't. Like, that's just, like, their attitude. Like, special teams still plagues them. It's just they're it's so sloppy. L.A. Chargers thing to do. Like, if it was any other team versus the Kansas City Chiefs, like, if this was Patrick Mahomes versus the Patriots and they had won this game, I would have been like, yeah, I'm all in. But because it's the Chargers and it's just, like, what they do at the beginning of the season, I, I need to wait, like, a week or two, I think, to, like, fully feel confident in his ability and what he can do. All right, that's fair. That's fair enough. And, by the way, so early bet of the week, if you want to go ahead and get this in, I highly recommend it to the listeners. You can do it as well, Brady. The the Chiefs-Steelers, I mean, yeah, the Chiefs-Steelers game in Pittsburgh – um, on Sunday, weather's supposed to be clear in Pittsburgh by then. 51 and a half is the over under. 
that's way too low. That's going over with those two offenses and Ben looking to bounce back. All right, you can watch Brady Quinn on CBS Sports HQ. You can listen to him on Sirius XM from 11 to 3 every day. Follow him at at third underscore goal on Twitter. Thanks for taking the time, man, and uh, we will talk to you soon.